0: You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. Three, two, one. We are gathered here as advisors, as scientists. I'm so sick of a witch. Welcome to Mission Spooky. I'm your fantastic host, JC. With me today, as per usual, the queen of everything herself, Kiki, and our local cryptid enthusiast, Cord. Kiki, do your job.
1: Well, welcome back, JC. It's great to have you back. I've missed you. It is our privilege to welcome a distinguished guest to our podcast today. Joining us is an acclaimed author whose literary works delve into the historical and supernatural realms, captivating readers with tales that bridge the gap between the past and the present. Today, we have the honor of hosting the renowned Mark Nesbitt. A very warm welcome to you, sir. How are you doing today? Just fine, guys. So, for those of you who aren't aware, Mark is a former National Park Service ranger, an author, a tour guide, and a paranormal investigator. You have a lot going on, sir.
2: Well, yeah, it's it's uh, uh, keeping me busy, especially the the raiding part of it. That's mostly what I'm doing now. I'm uh, you know my park ranger days are long over, but uh, my heart's still in Gettysburg, and um and what I learned as a park ranger still serves me well because um, the way I write my ghost stories and the way I uh, uh, have designed our, our tours, our ghost tours, is that I do, you know, we have the history first, tell the history of the site, and then tell the ghost stories associated with it. And that's the way I write the stories as well, mainly because I think it's kind of goofy to not tell the history of the site. It doesn't make any sense. It's just like somebody... Jumping out of the bushes in the middle of the you know, when you're walking down a street in the middle of the night and yelling boo scares you for about two seconds and you realize it's your idiot brother-in-law and you're like, you're not scared anymore. So
0: it's a very specific example.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, it's happened to a number of people, I'm sure. That's why you need the uh the history of the site, I think, just to give you a little background and to give you a reason why it could be haunted.
1: Yeah, that was the one of the reasons that I really wanted to have you on after reading several of your books too, and uh, listening to some other interviews that you and I definitely share that in common is that even on this podcast, we always talk about the history around an event or a place. And, you know, there's been quite a few times when we've debunked a ghost story because, well, the things didn't actually happen. So it, it becomes more of an urban legend than you know, an actual, is it, is it a paranormal event type thing? So I like that. I like that. You're, you have to know about the area and uh, you know, make sure that things actually happen too.
2: the nature of ghost stories. I mean, it's, it's folklore uh, for the most part. And for the most part, it's an oral history, you know? So when it starts getting passed around, the, the stories evolve. And um, that's why I I always tell my guys at the beginning of a season go over the stories again, you know, before you take anybody out because you need to get, you know, get the stories correct and the facts correct because I know what happened to me um, when I was a park ranger. You know, you figure, well, I did this all last year. I don't know these stories. And you start to tell the story and you're like, oh, wow, was that a brigade or was that a regiment? Hmm. And you, you tell it. And about a week later, you found out, you're wrong in telling it so you have to go back to the beginning and read all the stories again which is important you know but in uh, paranormal in ghost stories i mean it is kind of a segment of history because folklore is part of history the history especially like at gettysburg gives people who are interested in doing investigations some ammunition no pun intended because it was a battle but the uh for example, if you want to do EVP, which is the electronic voice phenomenon, try and get some of that. You can go to one of the monuments and you can see the list of the wounded, the names of the wounded. You can see the names of the ones that were killed. And so you have someone to talk to, basically, if you're attempting to get, say, EVP or the like. And um, so I think that's a that's that's pretty important to have. There's no excuse in Pittsburgh. you have the history right there. It's out on the street, it's out on the battlefield, it's on the monuments. And so there's really no excuse for not not using the history uh, that's right there in front of you.
1: I did have a question related to when you were a park ranger. Did you ever have an experience, like a paranormal type experience, that got you into that investigation part? Was that something that happened separately? Was it just, you know, or did you have a personal experience while you were a park ranger that led to that? Like, what was the timeline? Yeah,
0: tell us your spooky stories. <laughs>
1: Uh, well, you know, it's interesting because I had an opportunity to live in
2: four of the houses on the battlefield there, the historic houses that are up there. I lived in the Weikert House, the Hummelbaugh House, uh, what used to be a Little Red Schoolhouse at the base of Little Round Top. And then I lived in the National Cemetery Lodge, which is right there in inside the iron fence. And in virtually every one of them, I had either a strange experience that I couldn't explain or or weird feeling or a room that I didn't like in each of the houses. But at that time, I was really, I was collecting ghost stories, but not for any reason. And I mean, I wasn't planning on writing a book or anything. I was just jotting things down because I was, I was trained as a writer in college. And so that's what I like to do is just, you know, journal some of these things. But the experience that I had, Maybe the one that kind of turned me around to all this stuff. I was in the National Cemetery Lodge, and uh, it was uh, I had another experience in there. One with my my roommate coming down the stairs, and me hearing him come down, and no one coming down the stairs, and going up to ask him what happened. And he said, "I have just been I've been reading it." I didn't come down downstairs. So footsteps I heard. But the event that really caught me was uh, I was. It was the middle of the afternoon, and I was alone in the house. And I just finished lunch. I was taking my dishes out to the kitchen. And all of a sudden, I heard distinctly, it was a baby crying or a, or a child crying. Okay. I stopped. I was like, what in the heck was that? You know, you have an experience that you can't explain. You need to try and say, you have to, you trying to say, well, wait a minute. Was that the pipes squeaking or something? No, 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 no. I've never heard that before. Was it the house settling? Come on. This house has been here for 150 years. No, it wasn't that. And... I finished washing my dishes, which is kind of a paranormal experience for me back then. Anyhow, you know, that, <laughs> but um, I uh, I, uh, I, mentioned it. Actually, I mentioned it to in the coffee room a couple days later, and some of my colleagues said, you need to talk to such and such who lived there before you. Well, I looked her up and uh, she because she lived there with her family. And uh, I asked her if she had heard any strange things like children crying or anything like that. She says, yeah, she'd heard it a number of times. And matter of fact, one time she started heading up the stairs to, to take care of her baby. And then she realized, wait, I don't have a baby here anymore. He's in school. He's in second grade. So, you know, it, it kind of, you know, it was in the back of my mind. Then one day, for some reason, I guess I was just walking up the street there, Baltimore Street, and I realized that the homestead, the soldier's orphan's home. It was just a couple doors down Baltimore Street from the National Cemetery Lodge. And I remember the story of the second matron there, who was Mrs. Carmichael, who was very nasty. And she used to do things to punish the children that was just a little bit shy of torture and make cry and things like that. I'm thinking, wait a minute now, what's going on? Is this what I heard? You know, a remnant? Of, of one of the children being being hurt or being punished. So that's when I guess it all kind of start, started to fall together that, you know, there is just a weird noise that I heard, but it was something that was connected to the history of the site. And so I continued to collect these stories. And finally, uh, it took about 10 years. Finally, I, I I collected enough. I thought I had enough for a book. And I approached the publisher and, and he said, good, give it a start. And and I did, and that's where the first ghost book came from—Ghost Gettysburg. Um, shortly after that book came out, didn't want the book to be too long, so I got other stories that I I uh, saved, and and when I was writing the second book, but shortly after the first book came out, I started getting letters, phone calls, faxes. That's back in the day when we had faxes from people who said. Here's what happened to me at Gettysburg. I didn't want to tell anybody because I didn't want them to think I was crazy. But I see other people have had experiences. Here's what happened to me. And I still get letters and people coming up to me when I'm autographing books saying, I have something to tell you. So, you know, the the stories, I mean, things keep happening out there on the battlefield. But the one thing that happened to me that kind of was the genesis of all this happened there in the National Cemetery Lodge.
1: Were you just a park ranger in Gettysburg? Did you work anywhere else besides that?
2: Well, no, I just Gettysburg. But It was interesting because I did apply for a split position, which would have been summer in Gettysburg, winter down in the Everglades, down on a boat, you know. Yeah. And if I got in that position there, I can almost guarantee there'd be no ghost books, <laughs> no ghost tours, <laughs> no cottage industry in Gettysburg uh, about ghost stories and ghost ghostly lore. I would have, no, I'd still be on that job, you know, going back and forth. Gettysburg in the summer and uh, the Everglades in the winter. But somebody else had a plan for me, apparently. <laughs> and it, is
1: what it is So Gettysburg was kind of like one of your first choices to work at. What Was that just, you just love the area, like the stories, just the history part of it?
2: Yeah, I'd been a tourist there. You know, my parents uh, uh, would, we'd go there a couple times a summer. And so I got to know the place not as well as I did once I started living there. And I was working construction for my dad. And um, it was my junior, summer before my senior year in college, I said, I'm just going to apply. You know, I don't know what I'm going to, I'd like to go to Gettysburg, see if I can work there. So I applied to the to the National Park Service, and, and they were just in the middle of a, a big turnaround there with their seasonal park rangers, and so I got the job. And so after this first or second year, I ended up getting basically a full-time appointment. It was a it was a 180-day appointment, which is with your vacations and weekends and stuff. That's basically a whole year. That I worked to, uh, for about six years, and then it became a licensed... Uh, Battlefield Guide, did that for a year and then quit a, a decent paying job to become a starving artist writer. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> but Like I said, that all worked out.
1: So you do have eight books just in the Ghosts of Gettysburg series. Correct. And I'm sure that this is also a question you've probably been asked a million times, but it always comes up as a listener question too. using those eight books is like, you know, I, I want to tell people that the history and research plus the firsthand accounts mixed together in those books is what makes them so amazing. And anybody who's interested in Gettysburg history should be reading them. Thank you. You're welcome. Since you also do the tours, do you have kind of, and this is a listener question, do you have kind of a, like, quote, favorite ghost? I've asked this once before of one of our tour guides here at New Hope, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. He kind of had like his favorite, not only the story, but also having seen the ghost and or had other, had other people see the ghost and tell him. So do you have a situation like that? That's your favorite?
2: Yeah, I have actually several, but I won't I won't tell you. I'll bore you with all of them. But um, <laughs> the story about the uh, elevator in uh, Pennsylvania Hall, and I heard this, uh, and it was about two people I knew. Pennsylvania Hall is the administration building of uh, Gettysburg College. In the 1980s, it had been in the 1860s after the battle it had been a huge hospital because it was one of the largest public buildings in the area you know there are horror stories about seeing piles of arm and lace outside the windows that the, the pyramids would reach almost to the windows themselves because there were so many amputations going on and burials outside the building and that type of thing. Uh, fast forward to the mid-1980s, and the two women that I knew it were working there. They were working late one night decided to leave, so I got on the elevator, take them to the first floor of the exit, and the elevator went past the first floor into the basement, and the doors opened to a scene completely out of time, completely out of reason. They looked out the elevator doors into a Civil War hospital scene with men lying around in the corners, blood all in the place a surgeon uh, about to do an operation take a leg. they didn't know what to think of it they were horrified and they were trying to press the button to get out of there and it wouldn't it wouldn't take them anywhere it was like the elevator was frozen finally the doors closed and it went up and they said that had to be something real so let's go over and report it so they reported it to the security officer on duty that night and he was like let's go we're going to, finally, I'm going to catch one of those pesky fraternities making a mess of something. <laughs> they, within minutes, they were over there and they, they all got on the elevator and went down to the basement, the doors open to a scene that was pristine, whitewashed walls, Ten feet in front, of the elevator was a uh, a cinder block wall with all the electrical stuff on it. On the other side was a uh, cage with all the supplies for the building in it. So, and I talked to, him, I even interviewed the uh, the security guy, and he identified the women. He said, "Yeah," and they were that high. they were scared to death when they came over. I had no idea what happened to them. So I figured that was a, you know just a one off thing. And um, I was doing an autographing at Gettysburg College, and a couple came up and said, "We know those, we know that woman that happened to him." So I mentioned the names, and they're like, "No," I said. What? There's another person that happened to? So they gave me another name. I called her up. Her story was that she was not working for Gettysburg College. She's working at the college from an accounting firm doing an audit. And they asked her to go down the cars and get some paperwork. She got in the elevator, went down, the doors opened. And the same scene and she described it virtually the same way that these women did and i called her up and interviewed her and she was like you know that it was she couldn't understand it she didn't, she didn't know what happened to her so um that's the second event that that happened that's one of my first stories the other one of course is the blue boy the famous blue boy that they see all the time because we have two or three accounts of him including
1: one from our one of our guides
2: yeah, those are some of my favorite stories, but not they didn't exactly happen to me. So
1: I know that elevator story is crazy. I OK, like, can you imagine you're just going in to like do an audit and then that yeah. happens? Yeah. I think the
2: scariest part, this is this is a portal opening a, a warp in time and there's no place to go. You know, if, if things go south and they s- decide to come over and talk to you or ask you to get them out of there, what do you do?
1: yeah. That is something that Ghost Story Guys podcast, who are also kind of like, you know, podcast buddies with, they talk mm. a lot about these experiences. Where people have sort of a time slip. And like one great story was a diner, very similar to that, where they were just a couple. They go to this diner. The diner is like all of a sudden it seems like it's they're in the 1960s. And the question then is always, well, what if we hadn't decided to leave when we did? Mm. Yeah. Are you stuck there? What's up with that? Yeah, yeah, that is very scary, actually. That's more scary than just, you know, s- sitting there and seeing it. And then you just go back up the elevator. What if you got yeah. off the elevator?
2: I mean, I well, assume that's most, the other question. Yeah. I assume most people would just be hitting on that closed door button. Please close the uh, door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: please close the door, please. I'd grab a saw and start giving amputations. helping oh, however easy. I could. <laughs> If you're going to be somewhere, at least try to be useful, you know? I was going to say, that's that's
1: you helping, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God.
1: I was looking into your tours, as I've said earlier, and you've said, too, that you have your own tours. I thought this was actually interesting, too, is that you have done narration, for some self-guided tours, one in Savannah, Georgia, and then Fredericksburg, Virginia. So outside of Gettysburg, right? Okay, this is this is kind of a, a little side note for those Patreon supporters who've been listening. We do some states just for Patreon, and one time we were just going to do georgia and and realize that we pretty much were just in savannah cuz savannah is so oh. crazy oh yeah in the book that i've had most recently the haunted crime scenes book which i'll get into in just a second i wanted to just say that i i did think it was sort of funny that i was going through it and there was like a whole huge section of Georgia and, and Savannah specifically. And I was like, yep, you go to look at Georgia and you wind up just spending a great deal of time in Savannah because there's so much right. going on. But as far as the tours go, do you want to give listeners kind of like an idea of because I think you have two right, two different ones that are like you have guides. It's not self-guided, it's actually like a, like a small group situation. What what could people expect? Like where what are you guys doing tours of in Gettysburg?
2: Well, first of all, the, the Savannah tour. And the uh, Fredericksburg tour are apps. You know, you can right. download those and uh, and basically go on your own. The uh, Gettysburg tour, we have at least two different tours, and some depending on the type, time of year, and depending on the. Some years we have three, sometimes four. We had four going for a while there. And they are anywhere from an hour and 15 minutes to an hour and 45 minutes. It's a walking tour. Right now we're doing the Carlisle Street Gettysburg College campus tour. And the other one is a Baltimore Street tour. They are guides. They're not me. I don't do the tours because I'm pretty much, my touring days are over. My rating days are not. But the guides are dressed in period costumes and and carry a lantern and take their guests were limited by the town of Gettysburg by the ordinance to only have 25 on our tour so we can separate them into into comfortable groups and uh they take them on these on a couple different tours that they that the people choose and um Tell stories that came from my books, the history and the ghost stories. It's a great way to see Gettysburg. I mean, first of all, it's a great way to see Gettysburg. Second, uh, gives you something to do at night. You know, there's there uh, used to be absolutely nothing to do at night in Gettysburg. And uh, finally, and I think I think most rewarding is that it's a great way to learn history. It's tough enough to learn, you know, when you have names and dates and, and numbers to try and memorize. Whereas if you have a ghost story associated with the true history, with the good history, you can remember it. I think a lot more easily. And I, you know, we have a lot, there are a lot of tours now in Gettysburg. We were the original. We started the the walking tours in Gettysburg. And now we have, I don't even know how many tours, 10, 12. The corporate trying to capitalize on on what we started. And uh, I, I like our way of doing it. Like every once in a while, we'll hear some of the stories from the other tours, and I'm like, huh? What are they talking about Gettysburg? But, um, I can only endorse ours because I know that the, the guys are, are, well, I take them out on, uh, what they claim is the toughest tour they ever take, you know, because I'm such a mean guy. You're supposed to laugh at that.
1: <laughs> I did. I did. And yeah. yeah, guys, my guys. Yeah. No, <laughs> you know,
2: it's just, it's just a tune up. I mean, to, um, uh, Make sure, Yeah, my name's on the sign, so I have to kind of have a little bit of input um, just to make sure that they're going to be able to do a good job. So those are our tours, and um, that's how we do it in Gettysburg. The
1: Savannah and the Fredericksburg, uh, Virginia one, I will also have links for almost all of this stuff, too, in the show notes. But we'll definitely link into Mark's website for you guys if you want to go check that out. And if you're planning on going to Gettysburg anytime soon, obviously, pick Mark's tour.
2: Oh. Yes.
1: Wait. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to the book that I read more recently, most listeners, y'all, know by now that I was studying possibly to do forensics, but then decided that osteology was more <laughs> my way to go. But I'm always fascinated by crime scenes in general, and so when I got haunted crime scenes, I actually it was pretty much the, the three words together: haunted crime scene. Bought. Okay, so I start reading it and then realize this is actually book two of a series. So I don't suggest that you read that one first, listeners. Go go by Blood and Ghosts first, and that's with Cat- Catherine Ramsdale and Mark co-wrote that together. And uh, one of the reasons that I like this book is because uh, Catherine also goes into some some of the more skeptical you know, parts of it too, especially the ghost photographs, which we just recently did a little bit talking about ghost photographs and how they can be manipulated and you have to be really careful. She also takes kind of a Watson and Holmes approach to everything. And I'm a huge Conan Doyle fan. So I love that too. But my question on this was how the heck did you wind up hooking up with uh, Catherine on this? Because, uh, and for those who also don't know, she's a, uh, Forensic psychologist, and she teaches currently at DeSales University down here in Lehigh Valley.
2: A friend of mine, Rick Fisher, said that Catherine Ramsland was going to be at a, uh, a a guest speaker along with me. And I said, well, okay. And I didn't really know her at the time. So when I met her, we talked for a while, and, and uh, she uh, was interested in doing a book on ghosts. Obviously, one of the places she wanted to go was Gettysburg, So she knew that I had the tours, so we got together when she when she came out there. We actually we spent a couple days going around the battlefield. I wasn't really doing any investigations at the time. That was a couple a um, couple years later when I started that. But it kind of started with Catherine. She said, "Have you ever heard of this EVP stuff?" I said, "Well, yeah, but I've never done it." She said, "Well, let's let's go out and do it." Tonight. I said, "Okay." So we went out to the famous or infamous triangular field. Pitch black. Okay, there's no one out there. She had. Um, one of these dr 60s you know is now going for three thousand dollars on ebay it's the uh, original evp recorder yeah and uh, so we went out there and she said let's try and get some evp and i had written a book called 35 days to gettysburg strict history two unpublished diaries one union one confederate and they both fought near this triangle field so i uh had a list of the names of the individuals who fought and, and died out there from the, the 15th Georgia, which was the Confederate unit that is in the book. And so we started asking questions of these guys. We called them to attention and uh, started asking questions. And and in dead silence out there, we started getting, you know, when you played, played it back, you didn't hear it live, but when you played the recorder back, you started getting what sounded like very military answers like, uh, sir, you know, yes, sir. And that type of thing present you know that type of thing so uh that was really what, what got me hooked on um wanting to do more investigations but catherine and i became pretty good friends with a, with a lot of mutual respect we i started inviting her then we used to have real big deals at halloween where i'd um, invite half a dozen authors and you know it was a dress up it's halloween and, and so we had people there <laughs> it, it was really a lot of fun, and Catherine came at least once or twice to, to autograph there. And then she had the uh, this idea that she wanted to do something on haunted crime scenes, because there are, obviously, haunted crime scenes. The uh, There was one, as a matter of fact, in Bethlehem, the um, uh, Bethlehem Hotel, that she'd always heard nope. about. And she wrote about ghosts of the Lehigh Valley, you know, that area. And so she has her own book on, on ghost stories. And then Savannah was one of them, because Savannah, my goodness, they're... <laughs> a lot of crime in Savannah, <laughs> you know. It's it, but at any rate, so that was actually, and we actually did a a mini investigation there at, in the room where, uh, and I can't recall the name, but the gentleman was. Uh, they called it suicide, but he was shot twice. And was was they called it suicide because he was leaning up against the door when they went to go in there. Uh, they had to push it against his body, so they just assumed it was suicide. But and Catherine said, yeah, you know there are situations where you know some people have to shoot themselves twice. To get some EVP, sure enough, we got some. We connected with 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 the guy, and I I asked him. I said, did you commit suicide here? And it was very muffled, but you heard a two syllable word, and both syllables ended in er. In other words, we interpret it to mean murder. I think kind of like the genesis in her mind of, you know, what could be done with the with the crime scenes, you could investigate them. And that's what the basis of the bo- both the books are. It's it's kind of like true crime it's ghost hunters. The information, once again, the historic information provided by Catherine, is about the murders uh, or the crimes, is, is there. And then I supply kind of like hints and tips on, on how to investigate those particular crimes.
1: Well, the book is awesome. And, uh, yes, I, I just realized... Uh, I... <laughs> I said Catherine Ramsdale like four times now. It is Ramsland, and um, hey, my UK listeners, all I have to say is, um, I guess I've been listening to Aaron Ramsdale from uh, Arsenal playing football, <laughs> and I have Ramsdale on the mind. There's a rumor uh-huh. that he's going to leave, but anyway, completely unrelated. Um, yeah, so superimpose that. Wow, my brain works in strange ways. Um, wow, Kiki, what a failure! I know, I know, I'm a total failure. Me <laughs> And I'm the producer. I'm supposed to know. I was like, wait, it's Catherine Ramsland. Why am I saying Rams?" Oh, geez. Okay, never mind. But anyway, yeah, Catherine. She's awesome.
0: So Gettysburg, there's a lot of like evidence, you know, ghosts caught on camera and stuff. Is there one piece of evidence to you that's like the best to prove the existence of the paranormal to a skeptic?
2: Yeah, we have collected some. It's hard for me to talk about other people's evidence, you know, because some of it, I have to know the circumstances. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, we think that one of the uh, the shots of a soldier walking around uh, is actually, a, a believe it or not, a drop of water on the uh, windshield because it was taken inside a car, you know, taking pictures out through a window is not the best way to try and get evidence. But we have, uh, I have a couple of different uh, pieces of evidence. Of course, there's all the the audio evidence that I've collected over the years. Which would be the EVP, but at the at the Cashtown Inn, which was is about seven miles west of Gettysburg, is about three quarters of the Confederate Army filtered through Cashtown, and went past that. It became a headquarters. Robert E. Lee stopped there for a while, and we were we did a lot of investigating out there, and um, including getting a, a a soldier. I was told there's a soldier in the basement from the South, and his name is Andrew. And I said, well, let me talk to him. So I asked, where are you from, Andrew? And you can distinctly hear four. Syllables Mississippi, just like that. So that's a good piece of evidence that we got. And then we set up a a trail cam. We put it up one night in the bar area uh, of the cash Town Inn because we knew that was going to be locked down. I mean, the Liquor Control Board made the owner at that time. You got to lock them down because you have know, people staying upstairs. So we set it up, and it's all date and time stamped, and we have a really great shot of him. Locking, you you can see him in the back. See the doors are shut in the background. He passes through and sets off the camera. So you can see a really fuzzy shot, but you can tell that it's a human being going past the camera as he goes to lock up and shut up, shut off the lights. And as I said, it's date and time stamped. That's about, I think it was 20, 35 minutes after midnight when he was doing that. Nine minutes later, at 44 minutes past midnight, something else breaks that that infrared. And it's a, um, Another figure, and it's basically in the shape of a human, but it's not because no one was there. Now, that evidence I I believe in because we're the ones that got it. We're the ones that set it up. And then the other piece of evidence that I have is actually from our building there where we send the ghost tour out from at 271 Baltimore Street. It's a historic building. We've known for years that we've had child ghosts there. One of my employees who was sensitive said that she'd seen a little boy near one of the stairways. And I uh, asked him what did he look asked her what did he look like. She said, Well, he had suspenders and a white shirt and uh, kinda dirty blonde hair. They looked to be about three, four, maybe maybe a small five. So a number of years later, I got a uh, call from a friend of mine who was doing paranormal investigations. Well, I respect a great deal because he does it because he, he did it right. And um, he asked if he could stay overnight and do with his group and, and do a, an investigation. I said, yep, go right ahead. So we locked him in and, him and his group and they did an investigation and. I got a call the next day from him. He said, Mark, I, you know, we we kept hearing children playing in different parts of your building. So I set my camera up in the middle room, took about 50 pictures in the back. And uh, I have one that you might be interested in. And of course, that's the way you do it. You never just take one photograph. You always take several of the same scene. Yeah. Because ghosts actually come in and out of existence. We're lucky if we can see them for any, any longer than a few seconds. At any rate... He got a picture of a child in that back room, and he—the uh, child—you can see—he's wearing suspenders, he's got a white shirt, and he's—and he's got like dirty blonde hair, and it's really—I mean—that I know once again because it was in my building, which I, you know, which I can lock down, which I did, and um, that—that's uh, pretty remarkable. So yes, there is some evidence that I've seen that definitely makes me believe. I mean, not that I need all kinds of. A whole lot of evidence because I've had so much in my in my experiences. But these two things are pretty, pretty um, unimpeachable. Do you have a favorite part of the historical aspect that you like to talk about in particular? Wow. <laughs> that is a good question i don't know if there's if i can even think of one i know i have my favorite part but I... <laughs> what's, what's yours well i mean i always liked to get into Pickett's charge because me my dad used to run Pickett's charge every year ah okay when i was little we would go down every single year because my dad is the one who got me into history well, that is a that's a neat area. I used to go, uh, I used to take my dog for walks out there along some of those pathways in the field of Pickett's charge. And um there were a couple of times when I would get out in the middle of a Pickett's charge and just get almost come to tears. You know, be moved so much by what happened out there on those, those fields, you know, because you can't you can't go to Gettysburg without mourning. Yep. You feel the, these I mean, there were young men, you know, in their early twenties and uh um, that they were just it's very difficult for me to even even explain what happened, but it was it was moving enough that um, it definitely affected me. You know, I got an opportunity as a park ranger to go out on the battlefield since I lived out on the battlefield all hours of, the, of the night. When I was on patrol in the wintertime, I would switch over to law enforcement, be out there and get out of the car, walk around Devil's Den at 1130, 12 o'clock at night. And then the next morning, you know, 6 o'clock, you're back out there again. So I had a unique opportunity and it really was, uh, you know, a really a good part of my life. As far as I can say, so many things that that were just so moving. It's hard for me to pick one. I mean, that's understandable. Yeah.
1: We're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. And when we get back, Mark will tell us where to find his ghost tours and books. And JC has a very important final question he must ask. So stay tuned. Hey fellow adventurers and spooky folks! We've paired up with one of our favorite RPG creators, Deck and Dice Games. Are you tired of the same old critical hits in your tabletop adventures? Well look no further. Welcome to Deck and Dice Games. First up, Dice of Death and Dismemberment. These 12-sided acrylic beauties are engraved with graphic results for your critical hits. Most are brutal, a few are downright deadly. Spice up your tabletop RPG with these dice as upgrades to the critical hit system. Tired of number crunching for your D&D stats? Then say hello to the ultimate game changer, Rapid Stat Dice. With just one roll, you can generate all 6 of your D&D stats with no hassle. Dice Make fantastic stocking stuffers and Deck and Dice have a little something extra for you. If you use code SPOOKY23 on their website, deckandicegames.com, through December 2023, you're going to get 25% off your entire purchase. That's right. 25% off. Just enter Spooky23 at checkout. Make this holiday season unforgettable with dice of death and dismemberment and rapid stat dice. Welcome back, folks. So, Mark, where can we book a tour and find all of your books?
2: If you want to sign up for a tour, it's ghostsofgettysburg.com. It's the plural, ghosts ghostsofgettysburg.com. If you don't come to Gettysburg, you can buy all my books online, and they're even more than the, the eight ghosts of gettysburg books that i have i also have hidden haunted hot spots of gettysburg i have um a book called uh, civil war ghost trails where i got a chance to go to all the major civil war battlefields in the country and write about their ghost stories that was like a childhood fantasy come true because you know i read about these places and never had a chance to go to them of course 35 days to gettysburg and two two or three other historical books or one of one of which is out of print, but the, we do have others. So check out that website. I would recommend to your to your listeners. And golly, come see Gettysburg. Either in the fall, we probably have some more pretty leaves hanging from the trees right now, and in springtime as well. Spring is beautiful in the area because we have the Dougwood and the redbud out. Please visit Gettysburg. It's a great place, and take one of our tours.
0: JC, you want to go on a you want to go for a drive tomorrow? <laughs> I mean. I could probably move some things around. Sure, why not? Before we let him go, I do have another question. What is your preferred or favorite cryptid?
2: (laughs) My favorite cryptid? Hmm. Yes. Wow. Well, I would say Mothman. Hell yeah. (laughs) But we have a couple of cryptids, and there are a lot of Bigfoot sightings in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And not too far, real close to Gettysburg, is maybe a cousin of Bigfoot. And that's the Albertwitch.
1: Yes, the Albertwitch.
2: <laughs> yeah. We've talked about the little boy.
1: Yeah, Rick Fisher nice. every
2: year has a festival there in Columbia in the fall. And uh, it's grown into quite, he's got a lot of speakers and a lot of a lot of vendors and uh, all kinds of activities going on right down there in the shore of the Susquehanna River. And with uh, the all-but-witches, is, is, that's kind of gotten to be my favorite, because uh, actually Rick's had an, had an experience with one. He saw one. So, um, really? Yeah. So that's about as close as I have come to anybody actually being able to verify a cryptid. I'm very interested in that story. <laughs> yeah, and Rick took me on my very first ghost hunt at Eddiesburg. I had not done one before that. I guess I was on book four and uh he called me up and he, called, he introduced himself he said do you want to go out on the battlefield with us and do a ghost hunt and i said sure so he took me on the very first one and then he started coming to the building that we bought for the tours and did some paranormal investigating there and got some some very interesting evidence once again of children he put a uh, camera up infrared camera up in our attic and uh i know there's controversy about orbs but this was very interesting he got a a video of one orb chasing another going right past the uh, lens and a child's voice saying, catch me. Oh, Very interesting uh, combination of, of evidence there.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today. It really was an honor to have you. I mean, they, like we've said how many books you've written. It's pretty amazing. And you're like the go to for Gettysburg history and paranormal. So it's been a real pleasure having you on. Well thanks for
0: having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. It was nice to have an actual history buff uh, on the podcast. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well,
2: yeah, you have so much so many people uh, and you just kind of bluff the history, but I mean, that's what it's all about. It's is the people that fought there.
1: As always, stay spooky and don't die. But if you do, contact us.
2: Send us an E V P.